beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Joshua chapter 3, the Lord gives us the account of how his people crossed over the Jordan. If you read that story, then you'll see very quickly that it is an amazing event. It's an event in which God himself demonstrates that he is sovereign over all the nations, that he alone holds all power in creation. And it's clear from that passage that he uses his sovereignty, he uses his power, all to bring his people into their promised inheritance. And everything that we read in Joshua 3, it is a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing of what God does for us in Jesus Christ. It's a guarantee to us that we also will reach our final destination, eternal life in God's time. Now as we look at chapter 4, then we see that everything that God had done here are events that he wants his people to remember. God's marvelous works of the past, they are not to fade off into the pages of history, never to be thought of again. They need to be remembered. They need to be considered. Also as time passes. Because it's in those works that he teaches us time and again about who he is. About how he is the one who brings about salvation for his people. Also today, the Lord wants his church to reflect on the events that have happened in the past. The history of God's working for his people is not something that is to be forgotten but it is something that still serves as a lesson for us today. And it's fitting that we consider this passage today, brothers and sisters, because this week we will, the Lord willing, celebrate Reformation Day. This being the 500th anniversary of the Great Reformation in the 16th century, that time at which God brought his people back to the truth of his word. Well, as we're going to see, there are actually connections that we can make between the building of that memorial here in our text, along with some of the principles that the churches of the Reformation have advanced and to which they still hold today as well. And so this morning, as we consider the events of the past, I proclaim to you the word of God under the following theme, the Lord instructs Joshua to build a memorial. And we'll see first the institution of this memorial, and secondly, we'll look at the purpose of this memorial. So our text begins by indicating where we are at in this whole event. It says that the entire nation of Israel had passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan, they had remained in that heap some miles away. It was about 18 miles away. All the people had now made it safely into the promised land. And you can imagine that there would have been great thanksgiving Great rejoicing. After so many years wandering in the wilderness, the people had finally entered into the land that was flowing with milk and with honey. They were home. But now the Lord has another instruction for Joshua. He says that 12 men, one from each tribe, they must go and they must gather 12 stones from the place where the priests had stood in the middle of the river holding the Ark of the Covenant. And those stones, they were to be placed in the location where Israel would camp for the night. 
We learn in verse 19 of our chapter that that would be Gilgal. Until that land of Israel, the promised land, was fully conquered, then Gilgal, there by the Jordan, was going to serve as their headquarters, their base of operations. And it's certainly worth noting where those instructions originate. Because, yes, Joshua was the one who would pass on those instructions to the people. But ultimately, all he is doing is passing on requirements from the Lord. The reason that is striking is because it is the Lord who then decides that these events that have taken place here at the Jordan, they are events that must be remembered by his people, by all the generations to come. The truth is that people have all kinds of ideas about events that they think are important. They have all kinds of ideas about events that they want to remember. Many people like to hold on to articles from the past that help them to remember a significant event in their lives. We can each look into our own past, see that there's something that happened that we want to hold on to. We form a kind of emotional attachment. It's not necessarily wrong or anything, but it is subjective more often than not. Well, here in our text, there's nothing subjective. It is the Lord who says that these rocks must be taken out of the river to build this memorial. And he's very specific about where exactly those rocks have to come from. The 12 men whom Joshua had appointed for this task, they couldn't just go quickly to the bank of the river, pick up 12 rocks there. No, the Lord is very clear that these men had to go back into the middle of the river and take rocks from that location. Well, when you think about the Jordan River, this was not just a small creek. The normal width of the Jordan was anywhere from 90 to 100 feet. So these men had to go 50 feet into the deepest part of the river, trusting that God was going to continue holding those waters back for the time. They could have that confidence because the priests holding the ark remained there until everything was finished. We read that in verse 10. But that still begs the question, why is it so necessary that these rocks come from the middle of the river rather than the banks? What's the difference between rocks that are separated by about 50 feet? Well, the answer is that the location from where those rocks would come, that would indicate where the emphasis in this miracle lay. If you think about it, there is nothing significant at all about rocks that come from the bank of a river. But to take 12 stones from the middle of a river, that place which normally no human could ever reach, well, that is something that sends a message. That sends a clear message that God had done something spectacular so that all his people could enter into the promised land. A rock from the edge of a river that would have said nothing. Anybody can get any of those at any time. But a rock from the middle 
that testified entirely about what God had done. That testified about the reality that this wondrous event here in Joshua had actually happened. There could be no doubt about its historical accuracy. And there's one other detail that we have to consider as well. If you look at the first few verses of our text, then you'll see that there aren't actually a lot of specific details. We aren't told about how Joshua had to build the memorial, the shape that he had to use. We aren't told the size of the rocks, all things that we might have expected. But when there are so few specific details that are given then each detail we have is very important. So the other detail we have to notice from these instructions of the Lord is that it had to be 12 stones. 12 stones carried by 12 men, one man from every tribe. God makes no mistake about that. He's very clear that it had to be done in this way. And that ties in to one of the major themes that we have in the book of Joshua. And that is the fact that Israel as a nation was not a single tribe here and there, but Israel as a nation, as the 12 tribes, was the united people of God. It was not just a few select tribes that had crossed into the land. It was all of them. It was not just a few tribes who had a claim to this promised land. It was all of them. This place at which Israel crossed. For all purposes you could call it the gateway into the promised land. God said that there had to be this sign, this memorial. So that all the people would know that this would be their home. Not just for some of them. All of them had crossed. Not a single one had been forgotten. Not a single one had been left behind. And the fact that God had his people establish this memorial in this place, that is also significant. That too sent a clear message to Israel. And that is the fact that miracles like what they had just seen were not going to happen every day. If God had planned to do something that amazing every week, well, the people of Israel would not have needed this stone memorial. They would have been able to see these miracles for themselves. But because this was such a unique event in the history of God's people, in the history of salvation, well, God takes the initiative to make sure that his people can look back on the proper events that they need to remember. God knows what is truly important for his people to remember. We judge the importance of past events more often than not by our attachment to that event, be that an emotional attachment or some other kind. For anyone else, the the event that we cling to may have no importance whatsoever. But that's not the case here at this gateway to the promised land. That had importance for all of God's people. And we know from Hebrews 4 that this temporary inheritance or this temporary rest for the people of Israel 
that was a foreshadow of the eternal rest, the eternal inheritance obtained for all God's people of all ages, opened up for us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, no doubt you will agree, brothers and sisters, that this eternal inheritance to which we also are heirs, that is important for each one of us to focus our attention on continually. That is something we need to remember. Not necessarily because we have some emotional attachment to it, although we most certainly should. It is important for us to remember because God himself says that it is. It's something that he tells us we need to remember. Not by a stone memorial. He makes it known by a new memorial. One, again, that is given to all his people. He makes it very clear to us in his holy word. The Bible. That is a gift from God for each one of us. It is given to us out of special care for us and our salvation. The Bible, that is the message that God chooses for us to hear. He is the one who put his word together for us. God knows what we need to be thinking about. And so God, the Holy Spirit, inspired men to commit his word to writing. We read that in 2 Peter 1 verse 21. You can also think of the words of 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. There it says that all scripture is breathed out by God. Well, in our text, the Lord told Joshua to build this memorial. He told Joshua the specific materials that had to be used. But today, he doesn't command that a memorial must be built by people. He gives one to us. He breathes it out for us teaching us what we need to know, teaching us what we need to remember. And when you think about the Bible in that way, brothers and sisters, a sign from God, a reminder about the things that truly matter, then you will also be thankful to God for what he did in the Reformation, for then he gave the Bible back to his people. You remember that in the time before the Great Reformation, the hierarchy of the Roman church, they had said that the Bible should not be read by the people in the church. Rome had said that the Bible is a dark book. The Bible has a hidden meaning. It can't be understood by the regular person. Rome said that to understand the Bible, you need the clergy to tell you what the Bible says. You need to know the traditions of the church. But then in contrast to that approach, the churches of the Reformation confess the clarity of the scriptures. The churches of the Reformation, they say that anyone can read the Bible and they can all understand what God as the author is saying. This memorial from God, it is clear. It gives clear instructions to God's people. It is the only rule for faith and life. It contains everything that we need to know for our salvation. And so this memorial is for all of God's people. Not just the clergy. Not just for small groups in the church. It is to be read and it is to be studied by everyone. So we thank the Lord for giving his word back to his people. And it is important that we as the churches of the Reformation hold on to that teaching 
of the clarity of the scriptures. Because the reality is, brothers and sisters, we live in a time where a new so-called hierarchy is once again challenging that doctrine of the clarity of the Bible. Now it is not the hierarchy of Rome that says that it's not clear. Now it's the hierarchy of the academics, the scholars. They say that a regular person with no special training cannot understand the Bible. Everybody relies on the discoveries of scientists or archaeologists or geologists. They say that we depend on their discoveries. We rely on them to help us interpret what the Bible is saying. They say that we cannot understand the first chapters of Genesis unless we first listen to the biologist and we first listen to the geologist. They are the ones who will tell us what the Bible really means there. The Bible's meaning, it's hidden. It's a secret that must be unlocked. But it is the experts who will unlock that secret for you. That's the hierarchy we face. But just as the memorial built according to the command of the Lord and Joshua sent a very clear message about the Lord's work in bringing his people across the Jordan, so the Bible contains a very clear message for us. God's memorial for us tells us clearly about his work in Jesus Christ. The one through whom he has opened the way to the kingdom of God by his death and resurrection. And that is something our Savior testified to during his ministry on earth. That he alone is the focus of all the scriptures. In Luke 24 verse 44. He speaks about everything that was written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. How it all had to be fulfilled. Again, in John 5, verse 39, there he's speaking to Jews who wanted to kill him. And he says to them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yes, it's in the Bible, it's in the scriptures that God teaches us the way to eternal life. But it's only through Jesus Christ. He is the one who has opened that way. He's done so by the shedding of his precious blood. What we have in the Bible is God's memorial for us, teaching us time and again, telling us that we need to remember that salvation has been obtained by His only begotten Son. Committed to writing by men inspired by God the Holy Spirit, it is a gift from God to all His people. So that their attention might be focused constantly in the right direction. So that they might remember every time they read it that there is only one way to be saved. Because of God's gift to us. We remember what truly matters. And in that we come to our second point. Namely the purpose of this memorial. purpose for this memorial, we find it listed very clearly in the verses 6 and 7 of our text. 
There the Lord says to Joshua that this memorial would be a sign for them and that it would serve as a teaching tool for future, for future generations so that they too might know of the Lord's great deeds. We also see that purpose outlined for us in the last verses of Joshua 4, which we also read. Now, if you think about a sign, we read that this is the, what the memorial is called in verse 6. Then you realize, brothers and sisters, that a sign, in this sense, serves to confirm the reality. It serves to confirm the fact that something has indeed happened. A sign does not send a new message. It confirms the message that was originally spoken or that was originally seen. And the Lord often gave signs to his people in the Old Testament. For example, this is actually the first of seven stone memorials that we read about in the book of Joshua alone. And when you think about signs, and you can also think about what we read a number of times in Genesis. In Genesis 9 verse 12, there we read that God says to Noah about the rainbow... This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. But we still see the rainbow today. It is a sign from God every time that confirms the promise that he made to Noah so many years ago. It confirms to us that God will never wipe out the world by means of a great flood. You can also think about what we read in Genesis 17 verse 11. There God calls circumcision the sign of the covenant that he established with Abraham. Well, in both cases, the word that's used for sign is the same word that we find in our text. So that memorial that the Lord commands Joshua to build, it is a sign confirming that God did in fact bring his people through the Jordan by means of a wondrous miracle. The sign in this case confirms the reality of a historical event. And it is a sign given not because God needs to remember, but because the people need to remember the crossing of the Jordan. And here the Lord actually teaches us that one of the greatest challenges to faith is forgetfulness. It was something that everybody in Israel had to deal with. It's something that we all have to deal with today as well. People very easily and very quickly forget those things that are the most important. Someone once compared our minds to buckets. But those buckets have holes that are punched into the bottom. Everything that's in that bucket leaks out. And that means that our mind needs to be refilled time and again. That means for us today, we need to be constantly reminded about God's work in the past. For Israel, they would be prone to quickly forget the miracle of the crossing of the Jordan. Yes, it was an absolutely amazing event. One in which God clearly showed his almighty power over creation. But if the people were not given that sign, they most certainly would have forgotten about what God had done for them. That would have led to disaster. And it is a fact confirmed by history. You can think about Israel just after they crossed over the Red Sea. It wasn't long after they had crossed 
that they forgot what God had done for them there. They grumbled. They complained at Meribah. They forgot God's power. They forgot God's care that he had showed. They forgot that he was willing and able to provide for all their needs. And certainly they couldn't have built any kind of memorial there at the Red Sea. They wouldn't be dwelling in that area. A memorial of stones there wouldn't have helped them in any practical way. But now that they had come to their own land, God had Joshua establish this memorial so that they had a constant reminder about what God had done for them. This memorial was something that they could go to whenever they wanted. They could see it for themselves. Anytime they were discouraged, also in the battles that lay ahead, they would be constantly returning to their headquarters at Gilgal. They would see that stone memorial. They'd be reminded about who their God was. They'd be reminded about everything he had done for them in the past, all the power that he had used on their behalf. But that truth about human forgetfulness not only applied to the people of Israel back then, it also applies for us today. We also suffer from the fact that our minds are like leaking buckets. They need to be refilled time and again. But the reality is we have something far greater to remember than the people of Israel did in our text. We have the greatest event of all of world history. That is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the most important thing we could ever remember. It's the thing we have to remember. It's the most important thing that ever happened. There is nothing else that has such an impact on each one of our lives. But despite its importance, the truth is that we actually so often forget about his sacrifice. We forget how he has paid for all our sins. We forget that our Savior rose from the dead. We forget that his death and his resurrection have meaning for our life today. We forget that since we are united to Christ by faith, we have died to sin. We have been raised to new life in him. And the reality is that we also live in a world that bombards us with information from every direction. Perhaps more so than any other time in the past with all the different technology and media that's there at our disposal. Some of the information that we take in, it's good. It's informative. But a great deal of it is actually garbage. It's material that is nothing but a waste of space in our weak and our faulty minds. But the truth is that God has given us a sign to work with as well. So that we too might remember what he has done in the past for us. We mentioned earlier in the sermon he's given us his word. Through which he teaches us every time that we read it about what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And of course, when we recognize that we have this problem with our minds, that they are like these leaking buckets, but we know how God provides the solution to that problem, 
that forces us to place a huge emphasis on Bible reading and Bible meditation. It forces us to ask if we worry more about constantly being reminded about the work of Jesus Christ or if we are primarily concerned with the latest bit of material that we read on the internet or on social media. Where we place our priority in taking in information, that is, where we, that is what we are filling our leaking minds with. However, God has also given us other signs in addition to his word. They are, of course, the sacraments, which we confess in Lord's Day 25 of the Catechism. They are signs and seals. They confirm the message that, Jesus, that God teaches us in his word. Through those visible signs, God reminds us about the work of our Savior and how his precious blood has paid for all our sins. Through these signs that he's given, he directs his people back to the work done in the past. And he confirms that everything that's ha- that has truly happened, it's real It has ongoing value. It needs to be remembered constantly, time and again. It's never to be forgotten. There was also a second purpose to the sign that God commanded Joshua to build. We read again in verse 7, it was to serve as a teaching tool. By seeing that memorial of stones, parents would be able to instruct their children about what God had done for them in the past. Parents could tell their children about how God had stopped the waters of the Jordan from flowing so that his people could cross over on dry ground. Well, by making this purpose clear to his people through Joshua, the Lord also reveals what is another danger to faith. And that is the work of God being forgotten over the generations. When parents fail to instruct their children about the work of the Lord and everything that he's done for his people in the history of salvation, then there will be generations that arise that do not know the Lord, that do not fear the Lord. And again, when we think about teaching tools, we can think about the word and especially the sacraments in this way. That memorial of rocks that we read about in our text that is something visible, is something that would provoke questions from the children to the parents. It gave the parents in Israel a chance to talk to their children about what they had seen there at Gilgal by the Jordan and about what those rocks actually meant. Well, we too have received visible signs from the Lord. And even when they do not necessarily provoke questions from the children, they still give parents an opportunity to instruct the children about what they have seen happening. And you can also think about the promise that parents make when their child is baptized. They promise to instruct their children in the doctrines of salvation. Well, the sacraments provide an excellent teaching tool for them to fulfill that promise. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we see baptism administered, we receive an opportunity to teach the next generation about what that visible sign actually represents. We can teach them about the work of Jesus as it's taught to us and confirmed to us 
through the elements of bread, wine, and water. God gave these signs to his people, both in the Old and the New Testament, so that we might use them. He gives them out of his love to make up for our insensitivity, our weakness, our tendency to easily forget. But that places both the Israelites and also us under the obligation to use the sign as God commands. If the people of Israel hadn't gone to Gilgal from time to time, or they hadn't gone to any other place, a memorial would be established. That visible sign would have been of no use whatsoever. Or if the people had just simply walked by those stone memorials without stopping to reflect on what they actually meant, the sign would have been of no use. Apart from actively thinking about it and reflecting on its meaning, the memorial of rocks remained just a pile of rocks. But we have that same obligation, brothers and sisters, to use the signs. When we have sacraments administered, if we don't stop to take the time and reflect on them, they don't benefit us. They don't encourage us. They don't teach us as God instituted them to do. Or if we figuratively walk right by, that is, if we do them only because that's what we do from time to time, they also don't help us in any way. That's why we confess in the catechism that we are to use the sacraments, not just watch the sacraments. It calls for active thinking on our part. And finally, God tells Joshua in verse 7 that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. That was a memorial that was not to be taken down at any time. It was to stand there for the generations to come. It had ongoing value, ongoing significance for the, in the history of God's people. The Israelites were to continue using it for the purpose that God had intended it, namely that they would constantly remember his work of salvation and deliverance. And isn't that what we hear every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper as well? Namely, that we are to continue celebrating the Holy Supper until Christ returns. As long as he has not returned the Lord's Supper and indeed all the signs that God has given to us, they must continue to be used. But the difference is that in our text, Joshua speaks about forever. But the signs that God has given to us, they have a definitive end. And that is because when our Lord returns, we won't have any more need a sign because at that time we will experience the true reality itself we will experience the full reality of the salvation our lord has obtained for us we will celebrate at the marriage feast of the lamb and the kingdom of god in that final promised inheritance the signs will have no purpose because they will have been fulfilled by the coming of the kingdom in all power and glory that's the day we look forward to that's the day we eagerly long for 
And we thank God every day that until that time comes, He gives us signs, He gives us word and sacraments to remind us time and again that through Jesus Christ we are heirs of that kingdom. God refills our minds time and again with His promises of love and grace until we reach our destination where we experience those things in full measure for all eternity. Amen.